You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the spirits to be with us here today. So I call out to our ancestors, to all of those who lived well and died well, those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives. I call out to our ancestors to be with us here today that we might do good work here. And I call out to those ancestors in particular that understood the profound value of the next generation, of the children who are here and the children who are coming. And I ask you to be with us here today to help us to understand how to be the adults that need to stand up in the world for the children, not just those, not just our own children, but for children and for those who are coming. So with the ancestors gathered around us here today, let's extend our energy down into the earth, that most profound ancestor, the earth, and give thanks for life. Let's take a moment and touch the miracle of life. And to give thanks for the wonder and the awe and all that is in this thing we do not quite understand, and yet it is so precious, is so valuable and found around us in such great diversity. So let us take a moment and just celebrate life. And we give thanks to the earth for life, for her dreaming that brought life as we know it to this planet, and for, and for her ongoing sustaining and support of our lives. We give thanks to the earth for grounding and belonging and place. We give thanks to the earth for connection and interconnection and for the ability to call somewhere home and to gather those that we love around us and to celebrate the connections of the heart. So give thanks to the earth. And with the earth below us and our feet firmly planted and standing where we stand on this day, let us reach up to the sky, all the way up through the actual sky above you and out through the atmosphere and all the way out through the cosmos and all the way into the spirit realms, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know that power, know it. Know it in your heart. Touch it with the energy of your heart and call it down into yourself, into your day, into our proceedings here. Call the energy from above down and bring into your day blessing. Bring into your day protection and generosity and benevolence. Draw this energy in all the way from above through you into your body to connect with the energy of the earth. And let these two great lovers, the energy of the earth and the sky, be together within you and to fill you with the big love of the Tao. So we give gratitude to the sky above and the earth below and for these energies dancing within us. And with this energy filling us and restoring us, we open the energy of the heart. And we call out to the spirit of the heart to be present with us here today. And we ask the heart to be that amazing crucible that it is that allows the fiery passions of the lower chakras to be mixed without being changed. 
by the cool crystal clarity of the upper chakras and that these two strange energies can dance together within the heart and produce a third, which is our purpose and our knowing of why we are here. And I ask that each one of you reach deeply into your hearts to find the courage to live that purpose and to bring your gifts to the world. So with the spirits gathered around us in this way and in our hearts present, may what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way that are good for all living things. So I'd like to give thanks to Martha and Deborah for their donations and for all of you whose um, offerings of energy keep the show live and on the air. If this show moves you in any way, even to irritation or to exaltation, however it moves you, please allow yourself to be moved by your heart into action and to do something to support the growth and development of the show. For those of you who would like to donate, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click the support button and offer any amount, large or small. Every bit goes to keeping the show on the air. And it is through your donations that we are able to be present for humanity, at least the portion of humanity that is able to get to a computer and download the show. So I want to thank you all for helping these ideas to spread, for supporting the show with your questions, with your conversations, and for the ways you bring these ideas into manifestation in your life. Thank you all. Now I'd like to introduce our guest today, John Bredal, and welcome to you. Thank you. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to this. I have been too. So today's show, everyone, is about bringing health and well-being to children. And um, John's contributions to the field of child development, family systems, healing, and natural play are unparalleled at this time. John has spent 20 years in the classroom teaching, coaching, and counseling middle school and high school before evolving himself through midlife, as we are all want to do, <laughs> into a period of intense spiritual seeking. And through that, he came into contact with kinesiology and brain gym and another aspect of what is out there in the world. And so he studied these crafts and over the years has blended all of these experiences and his insights and his exposure to many other modalities into his own unique method of healing, which assists people of all ages in developing skills that lead to inner peace and personal power. His love of and experience with the North American indig indigenous cultures, plural, his, it seems that that, John, you've connected with whatever indigenous culture was wherever you were as you've gone through your life. Um, but the, this exposure and this experience continues to inform his work. John leads workshops and courses and consults throughout Europe and the Americas. He is the father of three, the grandfather of seven, and he lives in the mountains near Wolf Creek, Oregon, which is very near where I was born and raised. Um, so John makes healing for children and bonding of families deeply fun and deeply transformative through his unique combination of reflex activations, joyful play, and spontaneous movement. John has helped children heal some of the most challenging difficulties facing them today. ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, anxiety, depression, sensory disorders, autism, among others. So yes, people, today we are talking about the big issues for children and the beautiful ways that we can change and transform those issues. So if you'd like to contact John, he is at john, J-O-N-B-R-E-D-A-L, at earthlink.net, or you can go through his website, which is j-o-n-b-r-e-d-a-l dot org. 
This interview is also part of the Society of Shamanic Practitioners series, and we thank the SSP for their ongoing support. If you would like to find them, you can go to shamansociety.org. And we are live uh, today, and you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You are welcome to Skype from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or to email us at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And I'd be happy to read your question on the air. So, without further ado, John, welcome home. Thank you. Good to be here. John has just returned from trainings and traveling for um, an extended period of time, and he happens to be back home in Oregon. And I was wondering, John, if you would just begin with us here today to share in reflection, as you reflect back on your life, what turned out to be the pivotal moments that are the the reason you're the man that you are today with the work that you are offering today. You know, pivotal moments aren't always what they think we think they are until we look back. So what were the big ones for you? Well, I have to begin with my life. I was raised on the Dakota Prairie. My grandparents had homesteaded there in the 1880s. So I had this very, very strong connection to nature. Grew up in a very, very small town, farm people, uh, a beautiful community, uh, lots of really friendly, uh, spontaneous, joyful people. So I had this sense of community early, which has been really valuable, something I've been on a path for. And then I also had this very profound connection with nature, spent lots of time on the prairie, uh, connected to the mother, to the clouds, to the sky, knowing deep within me that there was something really profound going on that I didn't really know what was going on. And then uh, another influence was um, we grew up a little bit later. We moved to right close to the Lakota Reservation in North Dakota. It was Sitting Bull's tribe. So I got a whole different perspective about uh, connection and spirit and uh, felt a profound, profound interest in uh, the drumming and the chanting and a whole different kind of uh, way that people looked at life. So those are really strong influences. And then the other thing is that I was raised with a lot of play, a lot of adventure, a lot of um, really exploring and creating things, and a lot of freedom to explore. So those were pivotal. And then I lost myself for a while at our culture. You know how that happens <laughs> with some people. Got kind of in that left brain analytical state and wondered, uh, like in my 30s, you know, what's this all about? It doesn't make any sense. And then the thing that um, had various things that happened that kind of woke me up, and I had, um, you might say, a spirit um, visit me, uh, heard my name, sat up at night, the spirit came through the wall and said, uh, intuitively, John, it's time to get going, Mm -hmm. (laughs) time to to wake up. And I thought, whoa, there's more to it than just uh, the five senses. So uh, that's what came to me when you asked that question. So I mean, it must be kind of nice to know you're speaking to a largely shaman, shamanic, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. embracing audience when you have to talk about things like that. <laughs> it is so refreshing that I just, like, I don't, I don't censor myself anyway because I feel like when I talk, uh, if I'm totally present with a group, then I will say what's appropriate. But uh, in this particular situation, it's very, very freeing. Believe me, love it. So I was wondering, before we get into your work, I was just wondering um, about how, if there are ways that your experience with indigenous peoples has really 
um, I don't change the way you looked at things that you were taught or put things together in a different way. Really where I'm coming from is um, I, I spoke once with a woman named Gina Ogden who had this huge research project that she did around um, women and their sexuality. And she had more, more research than anybody had ever gotten. Um, mm. But she couldn't figure out how to organize it <laughs> and how to talk about it. And then all of a sudden she had a dream because she'd also been studying Peruvian shamanism. And, she, wow. and in the dream, her helping spirit showed her how she could use the cosmology of the shamanism she was studying as the way to organize her information and begin to talk about um, what she was learning about women and their sexuality. And mm. it was just this completely weird you know, spontaneous through the dream world coming together of these two worlds that up until that point in time, you know, one was what she did to nourish herself and the other was her work and they didn't really come together. Mm. So I was just wondering how, if there's anything like that, how your experience with um, indigenous people has informed the way you sort of understand or approach the kind of you know, work that you do. Well, it, it's, um, uh... That's a really good question because I feel that um, it's at my soul, uh, being connected to the land and seeing that, that there's no separation and that whatever we do has a sacred, pr profound effect on everything else and that we can uh, attune ourselves to the flow and the beauty of that and really uh, have a whole different experience than what most of us were raised with, with the, uh, you know, the, the dynamic that happened on this uh, continent. So for me, it's been like coming back to the truth. It's like losing it, knowing it intuitively when I was younger, and then um, having this program that didn't really make much sense, you know, the nine-to-five gerbil wheel kind of thing, and then uh, finding out that that so-called American dream uh, really didn't work for me or a lot of people, and then like rediscovering what really va uh, what is really important which is, of course, a, a family, a connection, community, um, being able to really come from the heart and be present and love our children and nurture our children and play with our children. Um, so it was like uh, coming full circle. So as I rediscovered these things and what I really wanted to do, then all the, all the pieces just started to fall into place for me. And it's been, I've been supported in every, every way imaginable. It's been wonderful. So when I, um, you know, I just wanted to comment when I read your website, you know, it just seems like the, the shamanism is in the background, you know, that it's there, though, the whole way you talk about how if we can be present with ourself, what needs to come through will come through and that there is help for us and that the what we need to know is there, all of those kinds of things. It just seems um, like you've done an exquisite job of weaving it in without having to cop to it. <laughs> Well, because it yeah, scares people. I, uh, obviously I have a huge interest, read lots of books, studied it, um, love it, uh, really see the value. And, uh, but, you know, my journey's taken me more in sometimes into institutions and sometimes into organizations where, um, it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't really, um, be acceptable. So I have been able to use it in such a way that I can be true to myself and at the same time, um, find ways of having anyone really, regardless of their background. For instance, I just completed a lot of uh, healing sessions and trainings with a Hasidic Jewish community in New York, which is completely different. It's more of a mental culture. 
But the great thing about it is that this um, the power of sh- shamanism and the power of uh, animals and connected to the earth and the joy of play, it's in everybody. So when I bring these things out in my sessions, they resonate. And I do a lot of uh, animal play with stuffed animals, and I always know that the animal spirits are actually coming in and assisting in the healing, and I've seen some profound things with that. So there are many ways that I've been able to interface that work with uh, wherever I go. And um, so, yeah, it's it seems like it's kind of in the background, but in terms of what I'm doing, it's just right there. It's right yeah. out front. And um, in that, I think I think the main thing is that what we need to do, what, what, what's been beneficial for me, is to find a way to continually, continually clear my own congestion, my own emotional congestion, my challenges, and so that when I am with people or children, they can trust me and they know that here's someone that is there for them, to serve them. And that's really been important to me. So that's a, that's a really important point. And I think um, it's something that I bring up a lot that I think is missing from a lot of training of contemporary practitioners in many different disciplines. So how do you clear your congestion? What are some well, examples uh, or practices? To me, the, the essence of healing is changing vibration. So we're holding in our field, in our body, uh, what we call congested energy, blockages, whatever you want to call them. And they're from the to me, it relate to the past, stuff that we're holding when we were, for whatever reason, able to fully accept and uh, feel and love uh, these experiences. So we're holding this stuff. And um, I believe that in living, we're given continual opportunities for this, these so-called patterns and blocks to be triggered and activated. Now, generally, most people in, have been trying to do this in a mental way and trying to analyze it and figure out strategies and do this kind of thing, and it really is very ineffective. What's effective is to get into the feeling, which is not comfortable for people, to acknowledge it, to accept it, and then I use essentially a movement, emotional uh, process of changing that vibration from the low vibration that I've just anchored myself in, this old pattern, create an intention to release it and create an intention to when something like this happens where I get triggered, I'm able to be present and in my power and understanding and change the pattern uh, from a reactive pattern to an accepting pattern. And so how I do that is then I do lots of spinning, uh, lots of movement, dancing. I I do a lot of walking, the lemmaskate or the infinity pattern. I have Mm -hmm. two or three of those patterns on my land. And I found the power in that in terms of uh, raising the vibration and dissolving the old, you know, the old patterns. Uh, I used to do a lot of chanting, a lot of native chanting, but also chanting of the highest uh, energy sounds in the universe. Uh, a spirit song was given to me in the middle of the night. Um, so I got up and I couldn't stop singing that <laughs> my spirit song for like, a, I even hiked up in the mountains and spent the whole day pretty much, uh, chanting and singing that, singing that song because I just felt that, uh, it's just what I wanted to do. It was what was appropriate. And, uh, so I've been given the ability to, uh, to do that. So, uh, there's, when I first created this clearing process, I was using it almost every day to clear patterns that came up, mostly 
originally with prosperity because I wanted the resources to be able to do my work regardless. And then, of course, relationships and other things, and those things have changed for me. But I also wanted to do something that um, was simple, fairly quick, and was effective. So I haven't been teaching that a lot, but I do get asked about it, and every once in a while I'll uh, teach a little course on how to do that. Um, but it's, you know, there are a lot of different processes, a lot of different ways. But I discovered the most effective ones are the ones where we, we do feel the feeling, acknowledge the feeling, and then are given ways of transforming that vibration. And I see the vibration then as, you might say, um, going in a sense of uh, being absorbed and going to a higher level and then uh, into the higher vibration where we're not dumping anything into the planet. We're actually transforming those lower vibrations into light. That's how I mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. And so, um, as you said earlier, before we got into that, that that doing this clearing is essential <clears throat> for you as to even begin to step into your work, right? Well, it's absolutely essential, I think, for everybody because um, since since the key is raising the vibration, if we come into a situation, and I've come into some pretty intense situations with people uh, where they're in lots of fear, lots of trauma, lots of expression of anger, uh, very intense, and if I haven't worked with those energies and cleared those energies and transformed their energies from my own field, then I am going to be triggered into low vibration and I'm going to be ineffective. Now, we can disguise that and you know look like we're calm and everything, but essentially, if we don't have a high enough vibration to offer the people, there isn't going to be the movement, there isn't going to be the transformation. And the really great thing about using lots of play is that play itself, um, spontaneous play and animal play and uh, other kinds of things that I use, naturally raise the vibration with everybody. It takes people into a joy level. So that helps a lot uh, when things get pretty serious. Um, For instance, I just had this one healing I wanted to mention because it was so profound. I had a boy come with his parents uh, and his another sibling was there, and he had some challenges, and one of them was uh, he's been coughing for 18 months, every few minutes. And it's like, you know, after a while, I'm sure that gets pretty annoying, and it's difficult for him to focus, and, and he's about 11, 12 years of age. And so when I'm working with him, I do have the ability to, I'm given um, at times certain things that I need to see to release so the healing can take place. And I'm working with him and playing with him, and we're doing uh, balloons and cross-lateral movements and spinning and a lot of rocking movement, uh, a lot of animal play movement where uh, kids will actually choose from a bag different animals they want to be. And then we do uh, those movements and activities and and role-play those activities. What I saw in his throat were uh, like, like rags stuffed down his throat. And uh, immediately uh, I got the picture that he had been coughing a lot in a concentration camp and the people, uh, some people close to him actually stuffed those rags in his throat and choked him to death. And he brought that into this life and it surfaced about 18 months ago and he couldn't stop coughing. And then after the session, within a a couple of days, he stopped coughing and now he's able to breathe and live a much more normal life. So... uh, uh, the reason I mention that is if I hadn't been clearing my uh, congestion and these old patterns, 
I feel that I would never have been given the ability to see things and to sense things and to know things that I know. And that's a gift from spirit that I'm very, very grateful for. Well, I appreciate you sharing with us um, what I think is important about those gifts from spirit is that we, we have to do our part. To, to be open to them and to not distort them. And I, and I appreciate that. It's not like we can just live however we want to and expect exactly. to be given things. <laughs> that's, for, that's the truth. And, of course, in the session, I didn't, you know, he saw me kind of working with the throat. And the father said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just working with some of the energy here so it will be clear because I didn't, you know, didn't feel necessary to get into the details. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I agree with you 100% that it's absolutely essential for us to be clear. It's absolutely essential. It's possible. So you've brought movement up a number of times. So let's Mm -hmm. actually go there for a minute and talk about um, what movements and why, because I know you have a great understanding of what movements need to happen, when they need to happen, and why they need to happen, all that. So why don't you just share some of that with us? Well, first of all, what I see with children is since they haven't become locked into the logical mind, they're um, pretty much moving and doing things based on their intuitive, deeper knowing. And that's pretty much ignored by most people. And so if we become attuned to children and follow their movements and allow them to uh, move and encourage movements and acting out dreams and acting out scenarios, basically that's their healing path. And so that's number one. Uh, but if I could only teach one thing, it would be redoing uh, birthing and bonding. I see that most a huge amount of trauma and disconnection happens during the birth process, and immediately after uh, the baby's born, the baby needs to have that eye contact, heart connection, touch, molding, uh, sound, all these things that are important to be activated so that baby can feel at peace and connected to the mother, to the family, to the father, to the community, to uh, higher power, uh, pair bonding. It's essential, and we know that most babies are taken away, and it creates huge, huge problems with fear and anxiety. And uh, this gets locked into the system and then uh, influences behavior the rest of the life. And so that's the number one thing, uh, if I could only teach one thing, is to go back through intention. We can go back and redo the birthing through, uh, through these rocking movements toward the mother. And it doesn't have to be the mother. It can be a surrogate as long as the person is, is heart-centered and bringing in a lot of exception, uh, acceptance and love. And then we can redo the bonding through um, eye contact and through all these other things I mentioned. And I've seen dramatic shifts in uh, kids that were violent, in kids that were fearful, because eventually when you look at these patterns, the basis is fear. Even if it doesn't look like that, it's basically there are these fear patterns that have been held. So that's the first type of movement. And then the other movements that I would like to mention are uh, natural, innate developmental movements. And most of us are familiar with crawling uh, up on all fours, but there's also crawling on the stomach, there's turning, there's uh, rocking, different kinds of rocking movements, and they call these automatic movements uh, infant reflexes. And it's really important that the baby gets lots of floor time with encouragement in a climate of safety to complete these various movement patterns. And if these movement patterns do not get complete, then these children, these uh, beautiful souls, they get stuck in repetitive patterns like 
ADD, ADHD, uh, bedwetting, sensory problems, uh, autism. A lot of these issues relate to them not completing uh, these movement patterns. And uh, there are even a couple of patterns that are really important that are survival reflexes. One's called the fear paralysis reflex. The other one's called the moral reflex. If they don't uh, get completed, it locks in lots of anxiety, fear, depression, inability to connect with other people, uh, breathing challenges. And most people have this on some level because we didn't get the perfect birth. Now, the way I generally work that's very effective with these developmental movements is that I've, I've studied the ones that are really important, um, and then I brought in, uh, stall, I bring in small stuffed animals that uh, actually do these same kinds of movements. For instance, uh, a snake uh, kind of wiggling around and moving forward be, would be kind of like, and rocking a bit, maybe like a dolphin would simulate uh, birth movements and re, you know, kind of redo that same thing. And there are also uh, several other patterns. I, I like to use the cat and the dog because they rate, relate directly to these patterns of um, hyperactivity, not being able to sit still, impasse, being impulsive. So all these different movement patterns, I have generally 15 to 20 animals in my bag and then sometimes the, kid want, the kids want to look at them and pull them out and then be that animal. And then sometimes they just I say, okay, I have the mystery animals, and they just reach in there and we do the animal that they want to do. And I believe that they choose the animal that is perfect for the movement that they need to do to complete these patterns. And I remember one kid recently, he kept asking me, what's... What's the most powerful animal? What's the most powerful animal? Because when he started out, he was like a chipmunk. He said, I want to be a chipmunk. And then when we finished up, eventually he became a tiger. He, he regained that tiger power. And I, like I said before, I believe that the animal spirits come in and actually um, partner with these children to regain these various powers. One time I had a child who was very hyper, uh, very disconnected, and the whole session was uh, almost like replaying dolphin uh, experiences. He wanted the whole family to be dolphins. He wanted to do the dolphin birth. I was a grandpa dolphin, and so we did all these different movements as dolphins, and there was a dramatic shift with this kid, believe me. It was not only fun, but I could see that we were getting to these patterns and releasing the blockages through the movement. That's really what we're doing is release block energy so these kids move, kids can move freely and, and uh, you know, reach their full potential, open their hearts. So, so I, you really know, I cool. trust that there are adults listening and thinking about this relative to their children, but what about the adults that are listening that are kind of going, oh, crap, I didn't get to complete those movements. I mean, is there a way that adults can use this well, for themselves? Yeah, exactly. I uh, The one thing I like about playing the, the program I'm working with is that it is a bit of a challenge because a lot of uh, parents, in that they did not get these experiences, it's sometimes difficult for them to engage their children in play and do these movements. However, they, these movements are innate. They're natural. And the joy of play is natural. And what happens once we kind of get these, the families' uh, job started a bit and we give them some things to do, some simple, simple things to do to just to get going, get started, even if it's just a few minutes here, a few minutes there, because they have to work these things into busy lives. 
they have to do it in a way that, um, you know, works with their busy schedules and everything. But eventually what they learn is that creating these connections and this play and actually clearing their own patterns at the same time, which they will do, it takes a little longer. But I also have, I teach them various repatternings and rocking movements that accelerate the process. It's not like going to take the same amount of time, you know, the original time when the kid needed two or three months to do something to complete it. Now we can complete these patterns in a matter of days uh, using all these different kinds of movements, including, including spinning and rhythmic movements and repatternings. So uh, the parents that are interested, they want the best for the family. I have seen dramatic results with their children and with themselves. And there are only, you know, how it is, some people are really interested in doing this, and some people would rather watch TV and eat, you know, and eat their Cheetos and whatever. That's okay, because we all have free will. But when I work with people, I, I, work for the, I work, look for the warriors. I look for the ones that they want to do something, want to move forward, and it's the most important thing in their life. And then I'll, you know, I'll give them my best. I'll do whatever I can do to support them to move through these, you know, patterns that, that have become stuck with themselves and their children. And so the beauty of this, I mean, there's a lot of beauty in this message, but one piece of beauty in this message is, is that it sounds as if the brain is just sort of waiting for us to give it what it needs so that it can go forward in a fluid way and not all having to jump over things. That it's Wow, stuck that's on. a really good way to put it. Yes, you know, and some people can't get that concept that the, the brain and the central nervous system, the whole dynamic, the template is waiting for us to stimulate it and to complete these patterns so we can move into our full power. Uh, I was working with a girl for once that uh, was at age 12, couldn't read, and so uh, when I had her get down to do a belly crawl, she just kind of did these random movements, couldn't move forward and looked... Uh, confused and so forth. And so we did a lot of other movements, animal movements, um, things I've mentioned before with repatternings and spinning. And, and uh, we came at the end. And so uh, I said, would you like to, you know, get down and do the belly crawl again? Like uh, we were doing like a lizard or alligator. And she got down and did it perfectly, hmm. perfectly, never coached her. See the templates in there. And so uh, through all these other uh, things we activated, it came in into uh, her movement patterns, and then she started reading fluently. And she had good parents. I mean, they had done a lot of work with her, but she was just missing some of these movement patterns mm -hmm. to make the connections in the brain so she could move forward. Yeah. It's really cool to see it. It was really great. So this is actually giving me an interesting insight into power animal dancing, which is something a lot of shamanic people do. And on mm. one hand, you know, like you talked about being given a spirit song. You know, there's often a spirit right. song or a dance that a particular helping spirit, it's sort of like how you call mm -hmm. them and connect with them. Definitely. But at the same time, what I've observed in people is often when they're doing a power animal dance, the, the, the power animal will inspire them to do some movement that's got nothing to do with the animal. Mm -hmm. And it confuses them. But I think what the animal's doing is trying to get them to do these movements to free up their brain. <laughs> yes. Uh, I actually went to um, a drumming and um, an evening once where a shaman uh, had us do all these different uh, animal movements. And I agree with you that often the animals will show us things 
that may not necessarily directly relate, you know, to the movement that they stereotypically do. And in, where I live, I get I have a lot of interaction with animals, and uh, a lot of people see, you know, they think of the mouse, and they think of, uh, you know, running away and fear and so forth. But the mouse has a lot of wisdom. So I'd like to share this one little story because it was really cool. I had been working a lot, and I had just flown back uh, to the States, and um, I helped someone move, and then I needed to get my place kind of winterized, and I was just really tired. And as I walked back to my home, on the second to the top um, stair, there was a mouse sleeping. So I crouched down and got fairly close to the mouse and just looked at the mouse, and she opened her eyes, and we had this... uh, contact this eye contact is like rebirthing kind of thing and we just stared at each other for a long time i don't know it wasn't that long maybe in 40 50 seconds or something and then uh i got up moved around and went in and i got the message and she was telling me um you know it's time to slow down rest take care of yourself but the other thing that animals show me a lot is to be present mm-hmm. is that not don't be so on automatic thinking you have to get everything done now because i was raised in dakota which was survival country where my both my parents were they were working very young i mean my mom was milking cows before school at six and my dad was working in the fields when he was young so there was this really really drive to survive and it wasn't that easy because a lot of times the crops didn't come in so i've had to kind of reprogram myself in terms of being more present so the so this mouse was showing me this and then i had dreams of seeing these beautiful goddess mouses it's really cool (laughs) it was so cool it's like mini mouses floating around but they were really beautiful and etheric i thought wow i'm getting a lot of mouse uh, intelligence here it was really cool (laughs) <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> so, John, so we've talked about birthing and bonding movements and then these other infant reflexes and animal mm-hmm. movements. Was there anything else about movement that you wanted to bring in? Well, yeah, I like the uh, people out there right now. If if you get into a pattern where you're triggered, upset, you can walk the infinity pattern, you know, eight feet from one end to the other, or 10, 12 feet. I do it in my living room or in my out in the... Uh, meadow or whatever, and if you just walk that eight in a state of uh, agitation or difficulty and you walk it long enough, there will be a healing because when you walk the eight, that infinity pattern is is pretty much like if you spin um, in each direction and alternate spinning back and forth. What that does, from my experience, is it coalesces the negative energy that we've encountered and we feel it, we accept it, and then it actually spins that energy out of our field and up into a higher vibration. So uh, the Infinity Walk, the Lemuscate Walk is really cool, and then also I do lots of dancing and spinning in both directions. And I choose the music that I love because that raises the vibration, and then I create the intention. And I worked with my ancestors a lot with that because I had a lot of ancestors survival stuff to to work with and i found that spinning and and uh with beautiful wonderful music is very very powerful <clears throat> excuse me i feel like we're so lucky at this time on the planet where we can again gather 
um, amazing in music literally now from all over the world and have a whole collection of music that inspires us and moves us in different states. And we're, we're, we're very rich and abundant in that, I think. It is absolutely amazing when you think of, uh, you know, YouTube and what's happened to be able to contact music, Some music I hadn't for, uh, heard for years. Uh, there was this old song in the 50s, one of my favorite songs, and I love the color uh, lavender, and it was called Lavender Blue or Dilly Dilly. It was sung by Sam Turner. I hadn't heard it for years and years, and then it t- uh, turned up on YouTube, and I sat and listened to that thing about eight or, nine, eight or ten <laughs> times over again, and the, it was just, there was just something about that at that particular time that I loved it, and but I had the same feeling again. It was really cool. I love I love the access to music, like you just said, all over the world, too. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's amazing. Okay, so we have movement, obviously, is key, and play, and allowing, um, as you said, the movement that's innate to us to just emerge. Um, I, 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 it, it just keeps reminding me. I, my Qigong teacher used to always tell me, stop doing that with your hands. And I could never figure <laughs> out what he was talking about because for me, I got trained from the time I was very small through college um, doing ballet. And so there's a lot of natural movement that is trained out of me. So mm. here I am in Qigong trying to, <laughs> trying to find my way back to natural movement. He goes, because I didn't think I was doing anything with my hands. He goes, stop doing mm. that with your hands. <laughs> but they're in there. We just have to find them. Yeah, the like like even with walking the lemon skate or the infinity pattern, uh, I sometimes will start uh, jumping and shaking because uh, shaking is a natural way to release uh, energy that's stuck. Uh, I didn't mention too much about these rhythmic movements, but that's generally what I work with with adults. I and children, but almost exclusively adults, because. These patterns are innate. They were uh, early movements that the baby did, and so they feel very natural. So that when when I work with someone, we get into, um, you might say, very difficult patterns. Just have them think about it, muscle check it, We're letting the body know what to, it wants to clear, these ri- rigid patterns. And then um, doing these uh, rocking movements in different positions are just amazing in terms of releasing uh, subconscious patterns, mental, you know, physical, uh, the emotional part, and the most important aspect, of course, is that we're spiritual beings. And so um, the intention, one thing when you were mentioning that last thing that I hadn't mentioned, is the intention to align with spirit and the highest possible vibration that we can and ask for that assistance um, to me is very valuable. And wherever I go, whether it's whether it's a, his, a city community or the Okanagan in British Columbia or uh, African-Americans in inner city, it's all the same. It's just people have different names and different ways of accessing the beauty of that energy and the support of that energy and the love. And it's a heart, you know, what you mentioned in your introduction is it, uh, it comes through our heart and connects directly to the highest part of ourselves whatever people want to call that. So, John, so let's say a family has um, a child who's been diagnosed with one of the big things, ADHD or autism or whatever, and they come to you. Are you, what does that look like? Are you going to just work with the child? Are you working with the whole family? How does that, how does that look? Well, you know, it depends a lot on the situation. Um, I'm more and more, I'm blending my healing in such a way 
that I also give them a handout of, of important things related to how they can help their child. So it's it's a bit of a coaching. I don't want to get too much into that because it kind of takes away from the joy of the vibration. But um, sometimes I work with all the the whole family. I had a family recently that came who had been threatened by a neighbor, three kids. And the neighbor obviously was not healthy. Eventually they had even came into the apartment, was screaming and yelling, and they had to move. All three kids were uh, bedwetting. And so in that situation, I worked with the whole family to release this collective fear. And then also I worked uh, with each kid during the period to change the pattern of bedwetting. Um, using mostly rhythmic movements and some other uh, reflex activations. So it varies, but with uh, ADD, ADHD, some of these things that we can clear very, very quickly, generally within a matter of a few sessions, I will uh, do the best I can with the child and generally get really, they'll notice really good results, you know, more uh, being able to sit still because it's basically an energy blockage in the body that's creating this fidgety stuff, the impulsivity and not getting organized and all that. And that energy pattern can be cleared pretty quickly through these movements. So then what I'll do is give the parents uh, ways to complete this in a way that's fun, in a way that you're not, it's not like homework. Because if it isn't fun and they're not enjoying it, uh, they're not going to do it. And if the parents enjoy doing it with the kids, then the whole family benefits. And I used to do a lot of trainings for foster care, and I remember I saw uh, parents uh, like two years after I had seen them one time before in a training, they came back again, and they said that they wanted to come back and even learn more because from that one evening where I had we spent two and a half hours playing with the parents and the kids on these different things they could do, these kids were still playing with these same activities in the last two years. So if it is fun, they will continue to do it, and then they'll they'll keep asking their parents to do it with them. And then, you know, if the parents want the best for their children, they'll do it. And they'll keep uh, keep that going, and then um, they'll see the benefits of it. These patterns will dissolve because uh, people always ask me wherever I go and I'm doing work, they say, now, is this permanent? And I said, yes, it's permanent because it's this is the way it's meant to be. And once it's completed, then... That's the most efficient way for the brain and central nervous system to work, so it is permanent unless some trauma comes up that throws the child off again or something like that. But essentially, yes, it's permanent. So um, you've, you've, you've spoken about, I mean, this is coming out in what you're saying, but I, I would like to talk about it a little more directly. So these, these challenges that children are facing are, are sort of, I personally, they seem epidemic to me in yes, proportion. They are. And I was wondering if you could share from your perspective of, of resolving many of these things with people or giving them an opportunity to find how to resolve it. Why are these things happening? I know it might be different for the different things, but well, what's there... your sense of what the real cause is? Uh, the number one cause is the lifestyle that we have where parents are not fully connecting with their children. They're not present. They're not giving them eye contact. The child is not feeling the connection. The child is not feeling loved. Uh, you know, a lot of these kids have TVs in their room or they have video games. Uh, it's not doing it. They're becoming alienated. And then we have all these 
things in our culture that exacerbate it, like traumatic birth, lack of bonding, um, poor diets, uh, pollution, uh, vaccinations, effects of that, um, all and uh, oftentimes, you know, school systems where the kids are just sitting, learning rote information, and they're not moving, they're not involved in the learning, they don't love it. And I have a lot of wonderful friends in, you know, in the educational community, and they're trying to, they're really frustrated with it, but there's not much they can do. So there's a whole combination of factors. When I look at dyslexia, whole combination of things that are creating this pattern, and that's why a lot of people can't pin it down. But if they could change one thing, change the birth and the bonding, and then have the parents as present as possible. And let's face it, I mean, we don't need all these things. We don't need all these vacations. A lot of times we're doing these things just to distract ourselves because we're not comfortable with ourselves or our children. So when we start healing together, then the whole dynamic changes. Now, the one of the reasons I go to the Hasidic community is because they are interested in their children and changing. And so how it started there is I started working with the women, and I had like five years of trainings with the women. Because, you know, they say you want to change a culture, <laughs> start with the women. And then they then started their own networks to bring in more women to share everything they've learned. So they're networking in their community. And then this past week, I did the first training for men. And so now they're going to begin networking with men and doing the same work. Because what I'm in, you know, what they want and what I want for them is for the community to learn the skills, to learn these activities, um, to be able to help, you know, help their families be the healthiest they can be. So I see that's how it's, that will happen. It will happen uh, organically. Uh, it's not going to happen through the media. Let's face it. It's going to happen for people that are aligned and then have enough courage to continue it. And these men that came, it wasn't a large group, but it's very different from the, what they're taught, where they're raised. So they had to have a lot of courage just to show up and do these different things. So I, you know, I felt very honored for them to come. But uh, that's how I see it. It's going to happen. It's, it's, it cannot happen given the nature of the vibration that's moving onto this planet. It's, it's moving toward health, growth, um, and it's moving toward ascension for people, moving into, the, as I see it, the highest possible vibration of love and acceptance. And there's no way around it. Now, people can resist it, but then, hey, uh, it's going to be tough for them. Like Bob Dylan said, a hard rain is going to fall, and it's falling already. <laughs> it's already falling. We know it is, but it's going but to it, be okay. It sounds like part of what you are able to do, um, which is <clears throat> unique so far in people that I've talked to who do have success with children, is to offer people very normal bite-sized chunks that they can add into their life. And so it's almost like even the change they need to make in how they're living can happen um, naturally, integrating piece yeah, by piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. It has to be that way. When I first started, I was trying to give people too much. Uh, they couldn't handle it. it. I felt like I was overwhelming them. And then uh, I had to just keep cutting back. And any good teaching or coaching or learning is things are chunked down. They're really learned. They're really mastered. And then as they are, then people begin to add more and become more 
attuned to it. And then um, eventually, you know, they see how they can simply follow the lead of their children and act out stories, act out their fears. I mean, acting out dreams is so is a lot of fun. I had a family come where three, there were five in the family, and three of them were having dreams of pirates who kidnapped them and actually um, killed them. So um, they came, and we did a lot of different things, but one of the things we did is we acted out uh, this dream. And eventually at the end, you know, we got into the fear of it, the anxiety of it, the low vibration of it, and then we uh, did a balloon dance and danced with ribbons, and and the balloons became the heads of pirates, and it was just all the kids were laughing, and they all disappeared, and they were the powerful ones, and, you know, the dream stopped because they changed the vibration of it. It's fun. Well, and anybody, ex- any family can do this kind of stuff. It's And so now that same family, you know, they're acting out their nightmares when they come up, different ones. Which like, is, of course, hugely shamanic. That, I mean, yeah, there are many it's very, yeah. Where, yeah. Yeah, to live yeah. the dreams, to, to, live to the, act them yeah. out instead of waiting for life to make it happen, but to take, right. but to do it intentionally. Yeah. Yes. And uh, when you, when you work with, when we work with our dreams, boy, then we know we're getting to the core of our issues because that's what's being given us, to us from our higher self. It's like we start to heal those. It's like uh, I went to a spiritual advisor and she said, oh, John, I see you've been having a, a tennis match with your higher self. And I said, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if you mean that I'm using my dreams to do my clearings, uh, you're right. And I'm feeling much ba- uh, better. This is the happiest I've ever been in my life because as we clear, it's just, uh, it's, it's just a gift, one gift after the other. It's beautiful. I love my well, life. And, you know. That's great. One of the things I think I'm hearing in some of your stories, though, is it sounds to me that as the kid who was the quote-unquote identified diagnosed one begins to be the person that's really happy being the not not having the problem anymore and starts to sort of guide the family. It's like, Mom and Dad, can we go back and learn some more? Yeah, well, the ch- uh, children are much clearer. You know, the, the blocks that the kids have, they dissolve uh, very quickly. Babies' blocks, things... Man, they can clear. They just see, seem so amorphous to me. I worked with a, a baby with spinal bifida and uh, worked through this, and, and the baby was really, really fussing. So I had the mother hold the baby and, to her heart and walk the infinity pattern. And there were a couple other people there, family members, and the baby started uh, smiling and giggling. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It changed the whole energy pattern and because uh, the babies, these Children, they're they're much uh, well. They're more evolved. Let's face it, <laughs> than you know most of us. So, as soon as they begin to get clear of some of these repetitive patterns, then their their true power and wisdom takes over, and they yeah they have a huge impact on the whole family. Just like you said, definitely. So, so what do you think true transformation is in this context that we've been talking about? What what, what makes that happen from your perspective? Well, um, true transformation is coming to a, a place of seeing everything as perfect as I see it, even if it's really uh, difficult, but seeing that all the patterns that we go through are ways of us to evolve and change and transform. So when we have reactive fear patterns and we transform those patterns into love and acceptance, we're basically uh, transforming ourselves into a light being, into a higher vibration. And um, 
I believe it, you know, it's a natural process. We get tremendous support from the unseen, from the spirit world. I mean, they're really working for us all the time. And um, I think that anything that we think that you know, just happens to us, it just doesn't happen to us. We've orchestrated these things on a, on a deeper level, not on a, a conscious level, so that we can evolve, uh, dissolve these patterns, realize we're not victims, and know that we're master creators of our life. And it doesn't mean that we get to create exactly what we want, but we create generally what is aligned with our high vibration, which is much more joy, much more prosperity, uh, much better relationships. So it benefits us on all levels, not just in our daily living, but also our spiritual evolution of of moving uh, through ascension to a higher level of functioning. And so I want to bring us back to what you said in the beginning. Uh, you were saying that you know to try to get there mentally just usually isn't that effective. Well, there's a guy, some of you may be familiar with Dr. Richard Bartlett, and I really love what he said. He's a really cool guy. I'd done some sessions uh, with him uh, several years ago and saw dramatic changes. And he said, you focus on the problem, you keep the problem. You focus on a mental approach, you keep yourself into a low vibration. And if you keep yourself in a low vibration, you're not going to have any change. So a lot of what we've been doing traditionally has been to focus on the problem, and that brings up internal uh, resistance. And as we're playing with a child, you can't really play with a child and be in your head. And if you are, then you're going to interfere with the play, and it's not going to be natural. So this is... For adults, this is the most difficult thing for them because they always uh, ask me, now, when I'm doing this or what am I doing that, what am I supposed to be thinking? And I said, no thinking. <laughs> Get to a place <laughs> of no thinking, no mind, and then the vibration, the high vibration will take over and it will evolve you into, um, into joy and into a pattern where you release these old patterns. But uh, it is a challenge. And I think Eckhart Tolle was the guy that really nailed it when he, you know, wrote a couple of books on on the fact that all this mental stuff that we go through uh, essentially is a disease. It actually creates all kinds of challenges for us, and um, I think we're moving through that. We're understanding to put this, you know, put that in its place. But it's a it's a process because we're all, you know, we're all pretty much conditioned to think our way through things, and it's just, uh, it can support us, but it's just one one piece. And so what we and, want to do is move our way through things and to feel our way through things. Yeah, and the, and the feeling and the movement move together, run together. Um, so that's why when we do, let's say, the clearing process that I do, I say, okay, uh, we're going to feel this, get out of our head, and then do uh, chanting and spinning, and we can bring in other kinds of uh, musical instruments and dancing. And when you do that, it takes you out of the head. It, ha- it really does. And it takes you, if you have beautiful music you love, it just takes you into the heart. And it takes you into higher vibration, and, and it's, it works that way. And uh, eventually the head just doesn't, you know, being in the head, it doesn't make any sense because it's not what heals us. Well, John, thank you for being with us today. And thank you for bringing this work out and giving this gift to the world. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, look forward to doing some work in Portland. I'd love to be up here uh, doing work with families and children here. So uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
Well, you are so welcome. People, if you want to contact John, it's J-O-N-B-R-E-D-A-L at earthlink.net or his website, which is J-O-N-B-R-E-D-A-L dot org. So we'd like to give thanks for the spirits for being with us here today. We give thanks for John's ancestors for dreaming it up so he could be here with us. And thanks to your ancestors and all those who gathered around, all of those unseen forces. We give thanks to the earth below, the wonder of life, and the sky above. And we give thanks to the heart that unites us all. Have a great week, everyone. 